Can we put our hands together and give God a cheer this morning? He's good. He's great. Amen. And we love him. You may be seated today. Good to see everybody here this morning. And uh, those who are watching online, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, how many love coming to church? I love coming to church. And uh, I've just been coming to church for a long time. Kind of grew up in church, I guess you can say. Someone said church is like the ark. Sometimes it stinks, but if you get out, you may be in trouble. Amen. So, I don't know about that one, but amen. But uh, we're so glad that uh, we are in this together. Amen. We're in this together, and we're in this with the Lord. And no matter what you're going through today, no matter what's going on in your life, we just pray that God touches you where nobody else can touch you. How many know God loves you like nobody else? Amen. How many believe that with all your heart? God loves you. And God can do for us what nobody else can do. What money can't buy, what time can't give, what other can't give, God can do it. And so we're depending on the Lord today. Amen. And so we're just trusting the Lord that if you're here today and you have a need, uh, we're going to do the best we can. But ultimately, we are believing God to touch you and touch your life. And um, we're in, in here, in, in this building, because God touched us. And God did a work for us. And the Lord is real to us. Amen. How many can say the Lord is real? Amen. We're not just playing games, going through religious uh, motions. But, you know, but God is real. Amen. Like that old song used to say, yes, God is real. I can feel him in my soul. Amen. Love that song. And so we're excited about it, excited about what God's doing. And uh, here we are um, this year. We've got so many good things. You know how you get into a season and you think, well, I'm just going to kind of coast in the season and it's just going to be cool for the next couple of weeks. And then I had a director's meeting. We had a director's meeting a couple weeks ago and I'm realizing, wow, we're going to be busy this fall. So, um, but God is good. Amen. And God's great. And working some things out. We are excited about what the Lord's doing and um, really not just in our church, but in our city. I believe God's working in our city. I believe God's moving in our city. If you if you drive by churches, uh, which this is a city of churches. How many know it's hard not to drive by a church, right? Whether it's on the country road or whatever. You know, if you go by a church, just pray for that church and just say, Lord, I pray that you would use them in a, in a phenomenal way. You know, let them be who you call them to be in this city. Amen. Can we do that? Can we encourage other Christians? And, and uh, uh, Amen. So, yeah, we want to do that. And, and uh, just real excited about how we can work with other churches in the city to reach our city. And how many believe everybody needs Jesus? Everybody needs Jesus. And so we're nobody telling everybody about somebody. Amen. And that somebody is Jesus Christ. And He is the lover of our soul. He is, as the Song of Solomon writes, He is the rose of Sharon. He's the lily of of every valley. He is the bright and morning star. Amen. And so he, everybody needs Jesus. Amen. Everybody needs Jesus. And so we just want to be that mouthpiece for the Lord. And so let's pray this morning. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the overwhelming benefits, as David said, that you load us with daily. Thank you for your goodness, your patience, your long-suffering, your gifts, your all the things that we could go on and on and on. That's why we have praise and worship. That's why we dance. That's why we sing. That's why we shout. Because of all your goodness. There's not one person in here today, Lord, that can't say you haven't been good. Lord, you're good to your people. And to those who call on you, the Bible says that you will answer and you will show yourself in action. I thank you for that today. I pray that every need would be met by your spirit according to your power, Lord, today in the house. I pray, Lord, that you would just reveal yourself to those that don't know you. Make yourself real and known to them in ways that they can understand, Lord, that they would discover that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. We've been talking about work, and we've talking about the blessings of work, and I felt like, well, let's just keep going. All right, well, I'll keep going then. All right, you said amen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but one of the things I want to read, just open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29. I want to talk about the applications of work, and uh, we had some technical difficulties this morning and, and uh, scrambling around, so I had to get those in order, right, so that you guys can read what I'm saying. Uh, anyway, so in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 29, the Bible says, do you, it asks a question, do you know a hardworking man or hardworking person they will be successful and stand before kings. 
And so hard work opens the door. It, it really does a lot of things. But I love that scripture because I love saying that scripture, especially over young people, my kids, you know, just believing God that he's going to open doors for them. And how many believe that hard work gets you into some good places? Amen. And so it says that if you see a hardworking person, they're going to be successful and they're going to have plenty of opportunities in their life. But I wanted to talk about what work is all about. How many remember that story, uh, the old Aesop fables back in 1857, the grasshopper and the ant, or the ant and the grasshopper? How many remember that story? You remember, and kind of, it was built on that moral teaching, actually taken from Proverbs, make hay while the sun is shining. And so that teaching is, of course, you had a grasshopper that just wasted his summer days playing the fiddle and dancing around. And then you had the ant who was a hard worker and working night and day and storing for the winter. And at one point, the grasshopper actually makes fun and ridicules the, you know, the, the ants for working so hard. But you know, when the winter comes, the, we see that the grasshopper is starving and he has no food and he approaches the ant. He says, can I have some food? He, and, he said, and the ant said, well, you just played your fiddle and you danced all summer and we worked hard. And so the response was, Go play your fiddle for food. <laughs> you know, how many remember that story? Aesop was a kind of a dark character. Anyways, so told some things. As actually, it was written from, a lot of his fables were from Greek mythology or Greek teachings and things that were passed down to their children. And so that was a teaching, and it was based on Proverbs, make hay while the sun shines. And we see these uh, in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 30. It actually says, go to the ant. Learn from the ant. Learn about their ways and how they store up for this, uh, you know, the winter and how they work so hard. And, you know, we used to say you never see a lazy ant. They're always working. They're always doing something. Is that right? How many know when you, when you find, you think you just kind of got rid of one nest, you find another, right? And they're always working and they're always industrious. And so the Bible even says that we need to learn from them. In Proverbs 28, 19, it says, hard work brings prosperity. Playing around brings poverty. And our temptation, I think, when it comes to work is to play at our work and to work at our play. And that seems to be kind of a temptation, isn't it? Kind of the old nature that we want to play at our work and work at our play. And we want to work real hard for our hobbies and all those things. But the Lord really lets us know that hard work pays off. Amen. Let me just give you a couple uh, principles from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. If you turn in your Bibles there, Paul addresses some issues um, with this particular church. Um, and about work, and, and also in First Thessalonians, he also addresses it as well with that church. But the Bible says in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6, he encourages people and he says, I'm reading out of the NIV, and I have it behind me, some of it, not all of it, so we have to pay attention. It says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer, not a sinner, who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us or the instructions from us, who, the, in King James says, walks disorderly, who is walking disorderly or idle and disruptive. That's what that word means. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, verse 8, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not just because we, we um, not ha had the uh, right to do this. We did have the right, but he said we did this in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. Verse 10, for even when we were with you, we gave this rule or command, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. That was a a kind of a maybe a rule they had posted in the back of the church I'm not sure but it says in the King James says we you know if anybody wouldn't work neither should he eat in verse 11 we hear that some of you are idle and disruptive they are not busy they are busybodies disorderly not working at all but they are busybodies that word busybody uh, simply means you're meddling in other people's business you're not busy with what you're supposed to be doing but you're busy with other people and what they're doing and you're just wasting your time gossiping and so on and so forth. Verse 12, such people we command you and urge you in Jesus Christ to settle down, tell them to eat their bread with quietness, I guess what it says in the King James, and earn the food they eat with quietness they work, is what it says. And then the last exhortations that he said, listen, you need to get away from these people, make note of them. Uh, but he said, don't treat them like enemies, but exhort them as brothers and sisters. He says, don't associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Wow. And he says, but don't regard them as an enemy, but warn them as a fellow 
believer. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? You don't work, you don't eat, uh, stay away from these kind of people. These are believers, you know, uh, exhort them and, and tell them what to do. And, uh, you know, we command you. All these things are pretty strong language. And I believe that Paul realized that there was something going on in the church that he saw that could be a problem and is a problem in their society. And it was probably coming into the church. And notice in verse 6, again, we command you. Uh, that was pretty strong. And then he commanded, and he said, keep separate from these people. I mean, these are people that are idle, disruptive. Uh, you know, they're not doing what we told them to do. They're not doing. And back in the day, especially when the church first started, the Bible says that everything really hinged on the teachings of the apostles and the prophets. And so it was very important that if the apostle Paul gave you a command, I mean, it was almost like that was from the Lord, Right? And how many believe God's word is still from the Lord, right? It's, we need to read it and live it as such it is from the Lord. But, I mean, that was serious. And so they took that. Uh, but it talks about disorderly. What does that mean, disorderly? Two words I want to bring out, disorderly. That word there it literally means out of order. Out of order. How many know that if the, a soda machine, or we don't have a soda machine anymore, whatever they have now, whatever. Okay, let's say back in the 90s, soda machine. Right. If you go there and it's, and it's a sign on, it says out of order, and you keep putting your, well, today it's probably like five bucks. I don't know what it was back in the day. Let's just say a dollar, right? For sake of argument. You put your money in, it comes out, put your money in, comes out, put your money in, comes out. How many know if you're just not going to do that very long? Right? Why? Because we're not going to invest in something that's out of order. And so God doesn't really invest in things that are out of order. God doesn't keep putting things in, putting things in, putting things in because they're out of order. That word also means, uh, it mean, it's a military term that means out of rank. You're not where you're supposed to be. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You are disorderly. You are being disruptive. You, and, and, he, and he dresses a church. He doesn't dress the leaders of a church or a person in the church. He addresses the whole church because there was people, apparently, in the church that weren't working. They weren't doing what they were told. They weren't following what Paul had taught them. And they were disruptive. They were causing problems in the church because they were so busy in everybody else's business. They weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. They were just so concerned with everybody else what they were supposed to be doing. How many know that's a problem? That's a problem in the church. Now, I'm not going to talk on gossip and, and all those things of disunity, but this is a tremendous principle he's talking about here, that people are actually, and one of the keys that you get disruptive in and out of order is when you're idle. You're not working. He said these people aren't working at all. Now, this isn't just people working in the church. They're not teaching like we told them to. They're not praying for people. They're not going and visiting people in hospitals. No, this was working, labor. This was, he even said that we, when we came, we labored and toiled among you. We worked hard to give you an example of how to do it, right? Everybody see that? And then, and so one of his advice was, and the second word, sorry, I wanted to just go over, not just disorderly, but busybodies. We, you'd say that for somebody who's a gossip and everything, but again, it was getting in other people's business. It was, it was, con I guess today we would, we would kind of correlate this with social media. You're, you're just so into everybody else's business that you're not focusing on your business. You know, you're, you're paying attention so much to that person and that thing that you're just not focusing on your life and what you're supposed to be doing. And how many know it's so easy as a spectator to criticize the referees that are in the game or the players in the game? But if you're, how many know when you're in the game, it's totally different? And you're in the stands, it's totally different, right? I had a t-shirt used to say, friends don't let friends be referees. Anyways, but how many know it's totally different, isn't it? And when you're sports and coaching or whatever, and, and they're just seeing, and it's a different perspective. And so he's saying, look, I'm giving you another perspective. I'm a hard worker. I came and worked. I gave you, I told you what to do. You're not doing it. And so my perspective is that you're a busybody. You're, you're just involved in everybody else's business except your own. How many know that's a problem? I said that's a problem. And when you start meddling in other people's business, criticizing other people, and, you know, talking down to other people, and complaining and, and gossiping about people in the church, I mean, he said this is a major, major problem. But I want to deal with something else. He gave him advice, and he said, you need to quiet down. You need to settle down, simmer down, <laughs> right, and do your work. That's what he said. You need to eat your food, shh, be quiet, and just eat your food. But also, he said, you need to eat your food that you earn, not just anybody else's food. Paul said, we didn't come wanting to eat everybody else's food. We worked for our own food. 
How many know sometimes you got to tell your kids, you need to work for your own meal? Right? You got to work for yourself. You got to tell some certain people, hey, you got to work for your own food. You've got to work for your own living. And so, you know, they need to, basically what he's saying is, let there be less talk and more work. That's what he's saying. Less talk and more work. And the Apostle Paul teaches somewhere else, and he says it again. He says, work with your own hands. Don't, don't, you know, always live off the work of somebody else's hands. Come on. But work with your own hands and live off the benefits from your own work. Be busy in what you're supposed to be doing. And so I love that. If you don't work, you don't eat. How many know if a, a lot of places, maybe in homes, put that up, that would be a good motivation for people to get out of the basement and get a job, right? If you don't work, you don't eat. Oh, that'd be a great motivation. How many of ever, you know, kids, you know, it's like, you know, you, you don't, growing up, you didn't have a lot. You know, your parents didn't have a lot. and Maybe you ate barely three times a day, but when you did, you were very thankful for it, right? I've heard a lot of people say, we didn't have seconds at our house because, first of all, we didn't have that much money. You didn't get seconds. So you had your first, and you needed to eat your first because you didn't eat your first. Somebody else would eat your first. Is that right? As their seconds. And then someone will always say, well, we never got seconds in our house, especially when they're the youngest. I was the youngest. I never got seconds. I had big brothers or older sisters, right? And they always say, and how many know that's it, right? That, that's a big, big issue in our home. Anyways, <clears throat> but as, it says, you know, I believe that as Paul's teaching here, the principle is you'll never provide for, for other people, for your family, if you can't provide for yourself. That's a good lesson when you're first, you know, starting out in life. You've got to provide for yourself. How many know in order, you know, if you're going to provide for a wife or a, or a family, you've got to provide for yourself. You've got to come to the place that you have the ability to provide for yourself. This is what work is all about. And so, so it's not just providing for yourself isn't just living in debt or living in a fantasy world or going beyond your means. It means that you're providing with priority. That's what it means. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 13, it says, If you love sleep, you will end in poverty. Stay awake, work hard, and there will be plenty to eat. Amen. I like that scripture. So I was thinking about some of the definitions of work and work ethics, and we talked about that. But, you know, one of the things that's amazing about work is it gives you worth. We talked about that last week and the week before. It gives you worth and value. Worth and value. What do I mean by that? Does that mean the feeling of worth? No. It literally gives you worth and value. Why? Because it causes you to be useful, causes you to be important, not famous, but important and a strength. How many know that if you have good work ethics, you'll become important in your business, in your job? Though people will rely on you. You will become a, a, a stable uh, employee. They'll depend on you. Come on. Amen. How many know those kind of employees, sometimes they'll get promoted first? People that are, are really have great worth ethics and people that really are a strength. How many know God wants you to be useful? God wants you to be useful to all people. And so this is what happens. Now, I wanted to just say this, that work gives you worth and value. But, you know, God saw these things in you when he created you. How many believe that God sees worth and value in you? Yes, yes, Jesus died on the cross because of it. And so God, see, but you know, God wants us to see this for ourselves. So he designed work to reveal it to us that, and to other people that there is worth and value in your life. Uh, most of us go through life in, in some form or another, always trying to feel worth and trying to feel value. And aren't you glad that when we just settle in in God's love, we can feel that first, we receive his worth and his value. But when we follow God's plan, when we follow God's design in work, we find worth and value. But not only to yourself, but to other people. How many know it's important to have, uh, you know, the Bible says, I believe in Proverbs, it says that an unfaithful employee is like trying to chew on a broken tooth or walk on a broken foot. I mean, uh, come on, you become a strength if you're dependable. If you're, you have good work ethics and you really understand work and the value that comes with it and the worth of it, then you become really important, don't you? You become dependable and strength. And so... Um, I just kind of sat down and just figured some things out and crunched some numbers. I took the average, what I felt like was the average kind of, uh, you know, work week and work day. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of the medium. I know a lot of people uh, work more than this or less than this. I get it. 
Um, but if you took a 40-hour work week, and let's just say, of course, that's five days. Let's say that you take the average, on average, seven holidays out of that, three sick days, 10 vacation days, and the weekends, okay? Let's just say you take that. Uh, you would work about 240 days a year or about 19 how, 1,900 hours a year. Um, and uh, that's a lot of time, isn't it? You only get 365 days a year. And, but if you work for 50 years, I just again, it's a medium, it's kind of a, just a, a, a statistic I kind of just drew from average. From the age of 17 to 67, that's 50 years, if you worked that long, that's 12,000 days and 96,000 hours in your lifetime. How many know we're going to work a long time? If, even if you live over the average of American lifespan for Americans, even if you were blessed with 90 years on this earth, you still would work over half your lifetime. You spend half, over half of your life. I mean like 65% of your life working. Wow, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of time, isn't it? Right, that's a lot of time. And everybody that just retired recently said, yeah. That's a lot of time. Put in a lot of time, amen. Let's look at this. What is a work ethic or work ethics? Well, we did. Well, by definition, many definitions say this. Work ethic is an attitude of determination and dedication towards one's job. Employees with a strong work ethic, work ethic uh, exhibit a particular set of values and behaviors. And if you have a strong work ethic, many by definition say this, you believe in the importance of your job and typically feel, there's a feeling or sense, that hard work is essential to maintain a strong character. Hard work is essential to maintaining a strong character. So as far as work ethics, we can also say this, there's work values. Or work practices. That's what we're looking at. That's what the Bible teaches us. It doesn't teaches us that there's there's uh, you know how many know it's not just about ethics at work. It's work ethics in you. That's what makes a great employee. That's what makes a good worker. That's what brings success. And it's these work values are really your core values. Or you, and the, and then they develop work practices. Really kind of develop character. And so these work values become your core values. Um, people that have good work ethics or work values, you can see that it's all through their life. It's not just when they clock in and clock out. It's all through their life. How many know what I'm talking about? It's in their marriage. It's in their any, anything and everywhere. And I know so many people like this have been such a great example to me that there is a work value. There is a core value. And as a Christian, we have a lot of good core values, don't we? We believe in one God. We believe in the Bible. We believe in prayer. How I many know we have a lot of good core values? But we also have the value of work. And we understand work. We understand patience and, and endurance and all these things. And so that's what it's about. Work values are your core values. And so I believe that God's plan for us really is that He does things in you, not just for you. How many believe that? How many believe God wants to do something in you rather than for you? That's why you're in the situation you are in right now, as long as you're in it right now, going through what you're going through. Why? Because God would rather do something in you than just for you. He's not just a, he's not just a, a, a father who spoils his children by giving them things. I'm going to get you out of trouble. I'm going to get you this. I'm going to give you money. Come on. God wants to do something in you. He's a good father. He wants to do something in you. See, salvation isn't something that just happened to you. It's something that happened in you. And so God wants to work character and God wants to work things in us. And so work ethics, as we can say that, uh, really are ethics at work. But again, there were ethics inside of us, our values inside of us. And I believe that a Christian needs to have great value inside of them. Come on, you need to have great core values inside of you. Amen. And so you need to work from that. Let's just talk about the workplace for a moment. In an article from Indeed.com, it says that those that with a strong work ethic exhibit moral principles that make them outstanding employees in any position. It goes on to state there are several different uh, uh, work ethics that companies look for, and here's just some of them. Responsibility, reliability, dedication and perseverance, discipline, productivity, cooperation, respect, professionalism, honesty, cyber ethics, uh, or, or social media ethics, punctuality, and maintaining a positive attitude. These are just a few that when you get in the workforce, this is what they're looking for, this is what they love, and this is what they consider work ethics. There's a lot of them online. You can find a lot. I just kind of picked the one and said, yeah, this makes sense. But it's kind of all right there, isn't it? The responsibility, that people are responsible, people are reliable. You don't just show up for work one day and then don't show up for work. I'm, I need a mental health day. I just got another job. 
How many know that's not reliable? That's not dependable. And there's dedication, there's discipline, there's self-discipline, and there's motivation to increase and, 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 and grow. So this is what they look for. And how many believe that a bad work ethic with a big title is a disaster? A lot of people have a big title with no work ethic, and it creates problems on the job. That's also in that article. Anyways. So I just thought to myself, okay, so how do I define it? How do we look at it? If you want to teach your kids, you know, what do we say about work ethics? Well, we can say it's responsibility. We can say reliability, dedication, cooperation. All those things are true. But if I had to sum it up, really, this is just me. If I had to sum it up into two words, I think the two words would be effort and attitude. I think that's so important, isn't it? The work ethics really are about your effort and your attitude. Why? Because it takes your heart, your mind, and your uh, body. And so really effort towards what's important equals responsibility. When you put an effort towards what's important in life, you'll be responsible. Someone said that today, uh, children and teenagers are faced with more adult situations. They're growing up faster today than ever before. I took a trip to the store and I said, no, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I believe that kids and teenagers are faced with more situations that they need to be faced with than today, rather today. I, I know they're faced with some adult situations, put in situations at a younger age that they don't need to be put into, that sometimes is unhealthy or it just, it, life throws a lot at them. Their parents, you know, they're separated from their parents for a lot of reasons or whatever. And uh, I feel like that responsibility is a more about the effort that you put towards what's important. I think of my grandfather who was a dairy farmer and a sheriff at the same time for 16 years he was the sheriff of Potter County and at the same time he, was a, he had a dairy farm. And so he would, he would get up early, milk the cows, and then he'd go into the office, come back, milk the cows. And my father even uh, would tell me stories of how his father taught him to be responsible. And he put that effort. And so one time he said uh, his brother had a bunch of chickens, but he wasn't really responsible with it. So his father told my, my dad, he said, you go take care of your brother's chickens. And my dad was like, what's the deal? It's, they're his chickens. So my dad would get up. In the morning before school, he'd ride a mile and a half on his bike to go feed some crazy chickens and then go to school. How many know that's responsibility? That's responsibility. And so my grandfather learned responsibility at a young age. By the grade 12, he wasn't in high school. He had taken over the family farm. How many know that's responsible? That's a, lo that's a lot of effort, isn't it? Take to take over. And we see that a lot with your grandparents and great-grandparents. I mean, they were married at a young age. They, you know, I mean, they built their own house. They had to do this, they had to do that. There was an effort towards what's important, and that gave them that responsibility. And so attitude towards what's important, a good attitude towards what's important, teach this to your kids, is integrity. When you have a good attitude towards what's important, there's integrity. That's what gives integrity. Integrity is something that doesn't just pop up doesn't fall on you, it's over time. How many know you learned integrity over time? Over time to be faithful and all those things. And so we'll skip ahead. But, you know, one of the things that I've realized that in the Bible, this is one of the things I see in the Bible as it describes work and some of the values, the Bible values are, it talks about being fervent in spirit, being diligent, being committed, perseverance, and of course, the fruits of the Spirit. You know, the fruits of the Spirit are so wonderful when it comes to work because it teaches you so many wonderful things. And the Spirit of God has a way to really implement, amen, <laughs> those things into work, amen. A lot of people want to separate, which I'll talk about, but spiritual life and then my natural life, or I got to go to work and, and then I go to church and I'm all spiritual. How many know they're one and the same? They're one and the same. And a lot of people, the biggest complaint with a lot of people that are outside of the church, that don't go to church or know the Lord, the biggest complaints is Christians are the biggest hypocrites in the world because they go to church and then they act all holy, but they go to work and they won't work. They complain. They cuss. They act, come on. They don't show up. I mean, that's a big problem, isn't it? And so it's one person. So if you're going to be conquering the carpet on Sunday and giving God your all on Sunday, you need to be giving your boss your all on Monday. All right. This may be for somebody else. Maybe your kids. All right. So, but I believe that a couple things about work that's so essential and so important. Number one, work. Ready for this? Is, this is deep. Work is work. It's really deep. Work is work. I'd love to say that it's fancy, that it's soft, that it's fun and comfortable. Work 
is work. And how many know you need to teach your children work is work? That's why it's called work. Right? And, and we'd love to have a theme song with it, but it just doesn't happen because work is work. You know, and it can be a blessing in your life or it can be a burden. Work can be something that is a blessing to you and your family and to, to the, your grandchildren or it can be a burden to you. It can be taxing and, and you know, I believe that you know, work can be frustrating. It can be annoying. <laughs> Come on, it can be. But there's one thing about work that it takes time. And it's, it's just work, isn't it? Proverbs chapter 12, verse 9 says, It's better to get your hands dirty and to eat than to be too proud to work and starve. Wow. There's three things about work that are very important to understand, and especially to teach your children when it comes to life and work, is that there's three things. Number one, sacrifice. Work is about sacrifice. Work is about serving, and work is about success, but not in the way that we think. But it's about success. So how many know that work is work? Come on. Sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do. You've got to make ends meet. You've got to keep a roof over your head. You've got to put food on the table. How many know you've got to do what you've got to do? Work is work. It's just that. It's work. And, it, and it's not fun, and it's not comfortable, but it's work. But it's a sacrifice. And that's one of the main things about work that's so uh, really, you find out right away, even as a, a teenager, it's a sacrifice. Can I go out with my friends? Can I go out and do this? No, you got to do your chores first. You got to do this first. How many lived on a farm or grew up in a house that, you, you know, your parents really made you work, right? You can't go swimming today right away. You have to work, right? So there's a sacrifice, and we learn that about work. And the Bible describes work as labor and toil. It doesn't say anything about resurrection power or celebration or praise and worship. It, it just calls it labor and toil. It just says it's just plain work. And, it, and there's pain involved. There's discomfort involved. There's suffering involved. You know, one of the things I found out about God and, and what he teaches us in his word is that not all suffering is bad. God doesn't consider all suffering bad. Did you know that? Paul said that the things that I'm suffering right now are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. And God's doing something in you, right? Come on, that's going to last forever. That's awesome, right? And Paul said, I'm confident that he that began a good work is doing it, performing it in my life. He's working out the things I need to because God knows that suffering isn't all bad. We like to think that pain is bad. Pain's not all bad according to God. Lord, I'm in pain. Get me out of this discomfort. I don't like being in this situation. And the Lord's like, it's okay. I'm okay with pain. I'm okay with discomfort sometimes. I'm okay with suffering. Hello? Anybody? I said, God's okay with suffering sometimes. Jesus hung on the cross for six hours. He's okay with suffering sometimes for the glory or the result that's going to happen or for what happens in that thing. Again, God wants to do something in us rather than just for us all the time. We think God is the sugar daddy that just needs to give us everything anytime we want it. No. God says, I'm interested in how this is going to play out in your life. How it's going to build character and integrity while you wait on me. Amen. While you work for that boss. While that dream of having your own business and going all these places, while that waits on the shelf for years and years and years, God said, I'm going to do something in you rather than just for you. How many know Joseph saw this in his life? God promised him. God showed him this awesome dream and he was going to do all this. And, he, and the first thing, he, he was in a pit. He went into prison. All, all these things in Joseph's life. And yet God never took him out of those things right away. It was okay that he was in prison for a while. It was okay that he... Okay, we'll get it. All right. So suffering's all right. It's sacrifice. I like what Brother T.F. Tenney said years ago. He said, every man has 110%. 10% more than what he thinks he has. And, you know, life is about that, isn't it? And I think that often when I'm doing a hard work or hard job, I hear the, the, the words of my dad. I remember my dad, one of the things he'd say about work is that steady plotting brings prosperity. Amen? Keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, and you can succeed. Amen. So work can be frustrating, it can be annoying, it can be overwhelming, but it, it takes time and sacrifice. Second thing is, is that it's about serving. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but it's about serving. It's selflessness, really, isn't it? You know, Jesus teaches us that we are to be faithful in another person's work, doesn't he? Then he teaches that he teaches us that that's why as as a as a young person, a teenager, it's important that you're you're faithful under your parents' care. 
That's what the same lesson here. You need to be a good steward in another person's vision, occupation, their affairs, a teenager in their home or child in their home. You need to be faithful in your parents' house because someday you're going to get your own. Is that what Jesus teaches, right? We can apply this to all kinds of different things in life, but I like just kind of throwing that out to the teenagers every once in a while see if they're paying attention. Amen. So Jesus teaches us that we've got to be faithful in somebody else's work. You know, and it's great to have your own business. It's great to have your own and, and to, to reap the harvest of those things and, and all that. But how many know sometimes we've got to be faithful working for somebody else? The Bible calls it a good steward. And we look at that as spiritual. Oh, it's church vision. It's under the pastor. No, he's talking about work. He's talking about your boss. And how many know that's serving? We can go on. We'll, we'll stop there. But success is the third thing. I mean, you, you really can't separate success and work and work and success. You can't have success without work, and you can't work and not see success at some point. Come on, amen. I, I just heard recently a Hall of Famer, a basketball Hall of Famer, said, look, I'm gonna, if I'd give some advice to kids, I'd tell them it's to work hard. Because that's the only way you're going to find success. He said your talent runs out, you know, your popularity can run out, but your, your work ethics and your hard work will bring success. That's pretty good advice, isn't it, right? Success. And so people are successful because they plan to be. People are successful because they want to be, because they aim to be, because there's very few people that just become an, a, a success. We call those flash in the pans or overnight success or whatever, you know, one hit wonders, right? But people that are successful over time plan to be. And so teach your children to plan to be successful, and that comes through hard work, and that comes through working hard. And you're not going to get around it. You need to teach your kids and say it as often as you can, work is work. Work is work. I'm not having any fun raking leaves. Did I promise any popsicles here? Did I even say that there was going to be balloons and, and clowns out here? Right? Come on. It's work, right? It's work. I'll never forget. My, my kid's doing that. Okay, I picked up a stick. Now what do I do? Pick up another one. It's work. We're going to work it. You know? How many, how many have those kids that they do one little thing and then they want a reward? Right? Okay, no, you've got to teach them. Oh, it's work. And then how about teaching them there's no reward at all? Because that's life. How many of you know your boss doesn't wait at the door, for most of us, your boss doesn't work out, he doesn't wait at the door every day, you did a good job, you're awesome, you're a great employee. It's like, come early or more earlier tomorrow, right? Work harder tomorrow, is that right? Amen. We'd love that. And how many know you have these parents that feel like, oh, well, you know, they go into class and they go to their teacher. My child is just so precious. They like a little flower and, and they're blooming and blossoming. Your teacher's like, yeah, right, sit down, all right? And we can't face life that way and teach our kids that everything's about them and everything's going to be great and everything's comfortable. And if you don't like it, just leave. How I many you know we can't teach our kids that because they'll have that mentality when it comes to marriage, when it comes to relationships. If you don't like it, just leave. Just quit. How I many you know that's not a good character to have? It's not a good characteristic to have. It's not a good value to have. Teach your kids that if it's raining out, we still work. If it's snowing out, you still work. If it's hot, if it's cold, you still work. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Work is work. I mean, had a job that you worked outside. Come on, you worked outside. You worked in the heat. You worked in the cold. Right? And you tried to bring up, you know, some OSHA rules and stuff. That didn't work too well. You know, you, you know it doesn't go over too well. You've got to get the job done. How many know you've got to teach your kids that work is work? And that, that principle in Proverbs says that you need to make hay while it's, the sun is shining. I mean, that's when, when, you, when, you know, it's so great to kick back and go to the beach. But farmers are... Putting the hay, getting the hay. I mean, you've got to cut it and do all this stuff. And it's, why? Because the winter is coming. There's a time in our lives that's coming that we can enjoy the fruit of our work. Amen. Many of us want, we look forward to the weekends, right? We look forward to that one vacation. That We look forward to that whatever. Why? Because we realize, well, I, I think I deserve it. I work so hard to get this vacation. Amen. Why? Because it's success. That's success. We'll talk about it later. But, you know, again, if you're, if you're not, if one lesson that I remember my father taught me growing up over and over again, one of the things that, that if I don't teach you God's way, you won't be worth anything to anybody. How I many you know work makes you worth something to everybody? Amen? A person that doesn't work is not worth anything 
That's just, that's just the way it is. And it doesn't just give you worth, but it's your worth to other people. That's what's important. We can't teach our kids that it's how you feel, it's how much money you make. No, it's your value to other people. How valuable are you to other people? How, how much worth are you giving to that company? Are you just showing up, you know, doing your time and then leaving? Or you really feel like you can do a better job? Amen? Right? So life is about working hard for what you need, not what you want. Amen. I find myself doing what I'm supposed to do, not necessarily what I want to do all the time. <laughs> Amen. And so we do that in life. And lastly, what does it take? What does it really take uh, to work? And so this is very... Uh, now, many of you, I'm preaching the choir today, and, and I should be talking about the prophetic future, but uh, these are good principles. And I feel like our culture today needs principles about work and family and marriage. Anybody agree? Amen. And so important to hear some of this stuff. So remember our definition of the, work, uh, of the word work, it was effort. So this is what it takes, effort. Well, it's physical, it's mental, emotional, it's body, mind, and, and heart. It really is. Uh, we got sayings that you might have grown up with, or maybe you said, said it to your kids. You didn't like when your parents said it, but now you find yourself saying it, even to your grandkids, that we've got to roll up our sleeves. We've got to put a little elbow grease in there. We've got to get our hands dirty. How many have heard these things and said these things? We've got to put our back into it. Put our nose to the grindstone. It's hands-on, figuring it out. It's getting the job done, right? Amen. This is all part of physical work. Now, many people believe that all hard work is physical labor, but it's not. I mean, no, there's a lot of work that is mental. It takes such a mental capacity and emotional toll out of you each week. You're drained just mentally. You, you probably didn't do too much as far as we could say physically, but emotionally and mentally, you're drained. Come on, a lot of jobs are like that. Many guys, you know, that kind of, you know, these tough guys say, well, it's not work unless it's, uh, you know, physical labor. No, no, it's, it, it's sometimes it takes a mental toll to run a business or emotional toll. Come on, somebody. It takes in some of these things. And so we see it takes everything. It takes physical, mental, and emotional. Aren't you glad that God's grace covers all three and empowers all of us, amen, in every area to work? But, you know, there's people that I've seen that I've met tons of people with disabilities and they've got limited disabilities and 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 that limit them in a lot but you know they're going to work i found people that have disabilities that work they've just made their mind up they don't have excuses for themselves and, and they want to be treated like everybody else why because they understand the value importance of work amen right and they understand what it takes I know mean, there's a lot of the people that I've met that, man, they could, they could just sit home and not work, but they're out working. And I, and I appreciate that and I value that. I respect that. Come on, because they're not going to let something like a disability get in their way because they understand the value and importance of work. Uh, I really uh, appreciate that. Paul said this, I train my body like an Olympic athlete. Now, a lot of times we teach that in spiritual, again, spiritual principles, like in prayer and in fasting, and, and that's important. But he was talking about physically because of what he had to do and the work that he had to do. And he said, I had to train my body. How many know you've you got to, at times, you, it takes physical, it takes your physical body, is that right? And some, some of you come home from work, hard day's work, and you're just physically hurting. I mean, you're just sore all over, Right. Amen. You just you got chiropractor. You got all kinds of stuff. Your, your medicine cabinet's loaded, right? You just it takes a toll on you physically, right? Because it takes it all. And so mental. And you know, again, it, it it I feel like there is a toughness and there is a strength that comes with work. But again, it's it's a, a lot of it is just emotional. And you know, there's days where you hate work and you you don't want to go to work, but you've got to go to work. You got to make up your mind. You're going to go to work. I'm just going to go to work because it's the right thing to do. Come on, somebody. Amen. Right? Especially when, you know, all your friends are kayaking and doing all this stuff. And you're like, seriously, guys? On the day that I've got to work? Right. And uh, anyways, but really the hardest thing, as the Bible teaches us in the Old Testament, we see this. One of the hardest things about work is having a mind to do it. Teach your kids to make up their mind and work. Amen? And how many know, have you ever kind of tackled a, a project or work and you got into something and you thought this is going to be so terrible so bad and then once you get into it, you realize this isn't so bad I got this amen right and uh <clears throat> but emotional you know when we say apply yourself how many have ever taught your children this or said this to your children it was said about you you need to apply yourself you need to really what does that mean that means that we give total or complete commitment and effort into what we're doing 
And I believe that we, we can teach our kids or teach other people that they need to apply themselves when it comes to work. Put your heart into it. Don't just come to work and, you know, you know you're, you're just, you know, kind of like telling your boss, yeah. But you've got to put your heart into it. Amen? And so as Christians, we've got to put our heart into our work. And I don't believe that every job is so fantastic and everybody's thrilled with their job, although 65% of Americans say they love their job. I believe that a lot of our jobs, we just are like, you know what? I got to, this is a job. But how many know our heart can be in it as well? Amen? I believe that if our kids sometimes see our heart in it, and, uh, you know, one of the things I always think about is, is chores around the house. I feel like that's such a great proving ground for good work ethics. You know, teach your kids to put their heart into it. Amen. It's one thing if you take out the trash. It's another thing you take out the trash stomping the whole way, throwing stuff. Right? And, and, and you can hear your father, you know, the whole time he's doing the, what he's asked to do, do that one thing. He's, you know, the whole time, right? How many know there's a difference in our attitude. And so, you know, I want to encourage you to that. Put your heart into it. And, and uh, lastly, I just want to share that people really will have the will to work or you'll be forced to work. But God wants you to have the will to work. God wants you to say, Lord, I'm willing to work hard. I'm willing to put my shoulder to the plow. And as the Bible speaks of, but I just want to encourage you today that to teach your children, but also if there's some things in your life that maybe you didn't learn, you know, put, put your heart into your work and, and really say, as we talked about last week, it's unto the Lord. Lord, I'm going to work as unto you. And I'm going to, I'm going to put my, my body, my heart, my, my mind into my work. And, and I, I don't just work for, for, so I can buy that one thing I want. I'm going to work for generations to come. I'm going to work for other people. I'm going to bless my business. The, the guy I work for is probably the devil in a suit. I don't like him at all. But I'm going to put an effort forth because it's unto you. Come on. And I'm going to be who you want me to be at this job. I'm not going to be let it said of me like it's said of all Christians that we just stand around, waste time, gossip, talk, you know, try to witness to people all the time when we're supposed to be working. I don't want that to be said of me. I want it to be said that I'm diligent, I'm dedicated, I'm reliable, I'm a strength to this business. I'm an important place here in part. And I may never be seen. I may push a couple buttons, it doesn't matter. I may sweep a broom or I may write the checks. It doesn't matter what I do. I want to be profitable in what you called me to do. And I want to bless somebody else in their business. Come on, somebody, right? How many believe in the blessings of work today? Amen. Amen. Let's stand on our feet. Hallelujah. One thing I just wanted to add before we go today is what's important to understand is, and teach your kids especially, is your work reflects who you are. Again, we can't separate, well, you know, I go to church and I love God and I do all these things and I'm called to be a missionary, called to be a pastor, called to be whatever, and I'm a prophet so-and-so, and yet I've got to go and do this job. How many know your work reflects who you are? If you're an amazing Christian, and if you're the prophet of the county, whoever you say you are, whatever you are, this awesome Christian, your work needs to reflect it. And I, I just want to just throw this out today, that our work needs to really reflect Jesus Christ. I'm not, and I'm not talking about, you know, turning up the praise and worship music all the time in your ears, you know, your boss's ear and, you know, and, you know, throwing Bibles, uh, you know, come on. I'm talking about just letting your work, letting your work ethics, your values in your life reflect your job and say, you know what? Everything I believe about Jesus Christ and the word of God is going to be seen on my job. It's going to be seen. Why? Because I've got a family. I've got a husband, wife. I've got kids. I've got relatives. I've got, I've got a community that are depending on me and I'm going to affect people. And so my work has a lot to do with who I am. You can't separate that. And how many believe and, and really would say today, Lord, I want to be a success. I don't know if there's one person that's in this place that will say, I want to be a failure. I think everybody says, I want to be a success, right? I want to be a success. But maybe not in the world's eyes, maybe not in my greatest dream's eyes, my fantasy. But Lord, in your eyes, I can be a success if I work hard and work unto you. And I work, Lord, with my hands, as Paul said. And I don't want to become idle. I don't want to become, Lord, disruptive in my behavior. I want to work hard. And I want to bless other people. How many have that desire today? Amen, that I want work to reflect who I are. You know, I am. And it's not really how much you know. It's not how much you want to be rich. I'm a charisma personality. It's not even where you come from. It's your work ethics, your work value, your work practices that speak the loudest. And so this week, as many of you go back to work or maybe you're 
doing it even remotely. It can even reflect there that, Lord, I want the character of Jesus. Because, Lord, you want to do something in me and through me, not just to me and for me. Lord, you want me to reflect who you are and your goodness, Lord. And so I believe that today we can ask that question that what areas of your life are being affected by your job? What, what areas of your life that today, that maybe you came in here today that you said, well, I'm having problems at work, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm on the brink of being fired, or, or I, my, my, my business is going under it, I'm not doing so well, I'm not having a banner year. Come on, all of us are affected by our work. Is that right? And so sometimes we come into the house of God and we, we want to pray, we want to seek the Lord, we want to sing, but we can't because we've got this feeling of, I've got bills, I've got this, I can't do this. Sometimes we just need to say, Lord, I'm going to give it to you today. I'm fully trusting you. But Lord, I want to be the best worker I can be. I don't want to do just the, the best I can. I want to do the best you created me. I want to do, I want to do better, Lord. That 110% today is what I want to give. My company, my boss, my work, my family, that's what I want to do. Lord, we just thank you for today. Thank you that there's blessings at work. I thank you for the people that I look out and I see the examples of over and over again. All the people that have been an influence in my life and a mentor to me that have taught me the blessings of work. I thank you for that today, Lord. But I also pray for those that are struggling with work. They're struggling to pay their bills. They're struggling to make ends meet. They're struggling, Lord. And, and they can't ever feel like they can get their head above water. Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom in your word about how to, to, to handle our finances and how to handle our hobbies and how to handle these things in our lives and responsibilities. But Lord, how we can work is unto you and work effectively and efficiently as a good workman, as the Bible says, and a good steward. I pray for blessing over those that don't have a job, provision for those that have been asking you over and over again. I pray that you would fill their cupboards, Lord, that they would know no lack, Lord, that they would, Lord, be able to pay their bills. And Lord, I pray that they would find the priorities in their life, God, that they would be able to see what is right, what's important, what do I need to be involved with today? Lord, I thank you for the blessing of the Lord that makes rich and adds no sorrow with it today. I claim that. I proclaim that over this congregation of people. I thank you, Lord, that because of our work, our city is going to be blessed. Our family is going to be blessed. Our children are going to be blessed, Lord. And the house of the Lord is going to do uh, move forward and do what, what we need to do in this place, Lord. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. You know, if you don't know Jesus Christ today, amen, we, we just want to give God all the glory. But if you don't know Jesus today and you say, I don't, I don't really understand that God has been dealing with me and there's, I've been having dreams and visions and I feel like I've almost been tormented in a sense about the Lord and I feel like I've run from God and I feel like I need to get back. Today's the day to make it right. You know, God loves us with an everlasting love. How many believe that? And it's not based on what you've done and what you haven't done. His love, the Bible says, is everlasting. And His love, when, when He spoke to Jeremiah, He said, I love you with an everlasting love. And today, some of you may not feel the love, but I want you to come and step inside and say, Lord, you love me today. And I'm going to put away the sin that you're dealing with me. And I'm going to put away the things that have, have really held me back from loving you with all my heart today. If that's you, we want to pray with you. We want to talk with you. And we're going to have the prayer team come. They're coming right now. And just... Pray with you today if that's you.